day. <laughs> Pursuit of the youth. God bless for you. <laughs> amen. Amen. Right, amen. So, <laughs> so just we just wanted to review a couple of things of, of, uh, that we talked last week, and then we're gonna go finish up confession, and then the last thing we want to do is receiving a confession. So let. Oh, no, not the topic. Talking about receiving that confession. <laughs> there for a second. I was like, wow, I wasn't ready for that either. <laughs> I built the box and everything. Oh. <laughs> the backyard? You told me how you sit. <laughs> <laughs> no. I legit told Christine in the kitchen that I was nervous because you didn't quite have any notes. And she's like, wait, are we going to like like openly confess as a group? She's like, I'm not ready for that. I'm like, me either. It's okay. <laughs> So you just I really have no worry about it. You guys ready? Yeah, when he much. said that, I was like, oh my God. I haven't even had time to contemplate all the ways I need forgiveness. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Let me count the ways. We're going to talk about, yes, learning to be able to receive the confessions of others. others. Yes, there yes. you go. Becoming and, better at receiving yes. someone's exactly. confession. So, we can all breathe. <laughs> so a couple of the two things that, that we started talking about confession first, so it's, it's such a biblical thing from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, we hear it all the time. We in, um, we see that there's a confession between a person and God and also a confession between a believer with another believer um, and the importance of it. And we're going to talk more into um, today, later on. A couple of things, the, where we found our, our kind of teaching was in Ezra, Ezra 9 and 10. We talked about Ezra 9 and 10. Um, where the Israel people, they're coming back from captivity and it starts off with this admission of sin. So one of the first things that we talk about when you're confession is admitting your sin. And when you admit to sin, it's not, it's you, you literally uh, share the sin, of the sin of what you're feeling and acknowledging it without any excuses. It's not like I have sinned, but it's because of my upbringing. Or I have sinned because of whatever. Sin is a sin. Let's call it a sin. And let's not take um, anything away from, from it. Let's have a confession from it. And we saw in the people of Israel, the leaders, when they went through it, they right away, they say the people of Israel, and this is their leaders, Israel leaders saying, the people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring people with their detestable practices like those of, and he lists off all those people, and they list off what, it, not only did they said who sinned, and they included themselves in that sin, uh, they talked about how they sinned, and then specifically they have taken some of their daughters and wives uh, for themselves and their sons and have mangled, and they just start, start talking about they're being unfaithful to the commandments of God just to keep God is the only God of the people. So the first thing is they admitted their sin. Uh, next thing that, that we looked about is being at a place of hating that sin. That it's not something like, well, you know, sin is a sin. I'm a sinner and that's it. I'm kind of blowing it off. Well, you know, like with men, like, oh, I lost it. But, you know, I'm a man. And it is what it is. This, it happens. But no, uh, we, see, we saw it. Um, Ezra the prophet said when I heard this I tore my tunic and cloak I pulled hair from my head and beard and I sat down appalled like there there, there was such conviction and hatred to what he heard 
You know, it, it's, it was kind of the same thing when Moses went down the, comes down the mountain and he loved, he loved his people. And one of the things like, hey, only one God, you know, remember one God, he saved us. And he comes down and they're dancing in front of, in front of, in front of the mm -hmm. golden calf. He's, he, he throws down the, the tablet. Like there, there was so much, this is where you can say the righteous anger was burning in, in him. And I think Ezra was the same thing. He wasn't, he wasn't angry for for himself, he was angry. He was like, how, how could you? You know, you gotta hate the sin. We got, we gotta understand that. We, uh, today in our devotional, uh, we talked about that, that that God is the light, and He doesn't have anything to do with the darkness. If you have darkness, you're not, you're not gonna be able to mix. So we need to understand that. So we want to get that darkness out of us mm. and uh, take that sin away uh, from us. But again, it's hating our. Our sin. The next thing we talked about is, is the the positive aspect of, of confession is that God is greater than our own sin. In verses eight, um, Ezra says, "But now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us remnants and giving us a firm place in His sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and little relief in our bondage." Though we are slaves, our God has not dis deserted, deserted us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the king of Persia, and so on and so on. So there's hope. So we confess that we're sinful. We confess that we hate what we did. And the next thing is like, but there's hope. There's hope that God is going to give us a way out. And that is an important breath in our confession because sometimes people stay in that spot of woe is me, you know, Isaiah, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, period. Let me just lie down like uh, um, Elijah. I'm just gonna, I just wanna lie down and die. That's it. This is where I wanna be. And, and, and God comes in and he's like, all right, get up, eat. You got work to do. I still, I still have a lot for you to do. You know, there's a lot of things that I can use you for. You know, go, to, go anoint Elisha, go prophesize to the other kings and all that stuff. You know, so it's a very important thing. So there's a hope that in our confession that there, God is still faithful during that time. He is gonna um, be there with us and He's gonna carry us through that, right? So the next thing, the fourth thing I want to talk about is uh, take action uh, to forsake the sin. So in verse, is chapter 10, uh, it starts off with, when Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. Then Shekaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam said to Ezra, we have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there's still hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law, rise up, this matter is in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do this. 
All right, so they take the take the sin, right? The sin was that they intermarried uh, with other uh, other people who have other religions, who had other gods, and these gods snuck into the chosen people. Okay, so it wasn't the people; it's the gods that they brought in. We talked about it. We we mentioned it was very important to know that it was not this perfect race; it was the perfect God. And when they were intermarrying, they were bringing other gods in. So that's why it was important. So. They confessed the sin that that's the, what they did was wrong. They understood why it's bad and it was bad. They saw that there's hope in God and here they are doing an action. Now they're taking an action to forsake the sin. He, this guy comes up, the Shekinah, sounds good, right? And he says, hey, this, was, this is how we sin and this is how we're gonna fix it. And the, the good thing was one of those Easy things like all right, not for the people going no, for people sent away. Yeah, or or probably the other people who had to give up their wives and children and yeah. everything else. It was devastating to the whole community and the families. Yeah, but it's one of those things. Those are the consequences of going against God and sitting against God, and it was it was painful to do, but it was something that was going to correct. What they did, correct the sin that they did, and looking at that, sometimes it is hard, you know. Um, you know, it's a, a people, people talk about it about it all the time, and I'm just gonna go with things that I always talk with men about lust and stuff like that. Oh man, I can't, I can't stop looking at, at my phone stuff, bad stuff. Get rid of your phone. Well, now, now you're going crazy. Oh, get rid of your phone if that's if that's what's causing you. If this is your struggle. You're no. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh no, this is a big sacrifice of getting rid of my phone. So again, you're being right with God or your phone? Like, where where's the cost? Which one is more important to you? You know, so it's one of those things. So you the, you need to find action to to do it, and that's one of the things that it's important when when we confess. Though that's why it's important to confess specifically. You know what I'm saying? It's it, because when we're like, oh, I was not faithful. Okay, where you on? <laughs> All right, how are you going to correct this if it's it's, it's like for us as a te as teachers, they're like they give you a paper and you give it back to them like it was bad, corrected. <laughs> was it spelling? Was it grammar? Was it? There's ten thousand things that they could correct. Which one was it? But it would come in. It's like, hey, you know, stop using the uh, what was it? The ultimates or the which one? What was in your paper that they kept on telling me not to do? Infinite. 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 Oh no. <laughs> He's like, this is too close. The sermon in the worst. Split infinitives. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what those are. But it's awesome. Well, <laughs> 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 but, but it's just one of those things. That's why it's so important to do a specific. Specifically, uh, confess so that way we know how to specifically correct it, you know. And we see that with them. They from the beginning of chapter nine, they they list what they did wrong. In the middle of chapter ten, they're talking about what they're going to do. All right. The last one is having the accountability to deal with your sin. The last one is having accountability 
to deal with your sin. And one of the ways that people of Israel did that, that we see in the end of the chapter, if you look at the end of the chapter from 18 to 44, there's the names of everybody who had people from the outside. And they're like, these are the people who's going to have to repent and do something about this sin. Like forever and ever and ever, this is here. There's accountability. It's a written down that this is the people that are going to have to do something about the sin that they have committed. And this is what they said they're going to do. They're going to get rid of all the, uh, the women, uh, wives and children and everything, and everything else. Here they are. Okay? So that is the important thing. It is, it is the, you know what's your action. You know what's your sin. You know that it's wrong. You know there's hope in, in God through this. You make an action of what you're going to do about it, and then you have make accountability that there's there's somebody who can't keep you accountable to this. Because they can look like, all right, among the Levites, Joseph had sin. Let's, let's go to his house. Uh, did you get rid of those wives and the kids that brought other, other gods into your family? You know, it's, it's right here. So that's where, that's why when we started, when we started the last week, Trish said that confession, confession is a, what is it, what is the word, communal? It's a communal thing. Not only it's going to help the community, it also hurts the community when, when there's sin inside the community. So um, that, that's why it's, it's one of those things where it is, as we, we talk about, um, confessing to one another or finding that one person that's confessed that there's somebody that's like all right so I don't need I don't need to do a lot of things like hey what are you so what are you gonna do about it okay how can I keep you accountable so next week hey what did you do mm. you know there, there's that thing maybe like hey let's write this down let's have a contract let's whatever it is but there's now there's a, a com accountability be behind that um, because otherwise you're like, oh, I'm so, I need to change. And then, you know, there's there's got there's got to be more to more to that. So that that's where um, there, there's you need that other person. You need that other person. Because I mean, I think you can keep each other, yourself accountable, and but you can lie to yourself for really well, mm -hmm. right? It's it's hard to lie to somebody else. Mm. So that's that's where it is, and it's kind of that kind of brings us to. Receiving, how to receive confession, right? Yes. All right. So just to to recap, for when we're trying to follow the discipline of confession, um, it requires an examination of our conscience, godly sorrow, and a determination to avoid sin. And the fourth piece that we just kind of segued into is having accountability. Because just being determined to, to avoid that sin, we all know sometimes our own willpower is not enough, right? And we beat ourselves up because we keep going back. But if we realize that sin is in our nature and it's addictive in nature, then we realize the need for community, we realize the need for accountability. But a lot of the times we don't, well one, this hasn't really been taught, but two, we don't do this as a priesthood of all believers, right? The Catholic Church follows confession, but you go to the booth and there's the priest on the other side of the wall or whatever. In the Christian Church, it's like, oh, it's between you and God. You just like, you know, you just repent before God and you're forgiven and we go on. 
But biblically, there is precedent that we are supposed to confess our sins to one another, and in that we will be healed. And so just highlighting not only, you know, are these steps for confession important, but it's important to understand that true biblical confession is, is not only personal between you and God, obviously there's that need to let the light of the Holy Spirit in and reveal the darkness that's in you, but there's an interpersonal piece, which is realizing that we need brothers and sisters in Christ to know what's going on. Maybe we've sinned against them um, directly. And so going to that person and saying, hey, listen, I really meant well, but I, I realized that I, I kind of talked about you behind your back. I was complaining, you know, not an easy thing to do, but these are the things that we need to do to squelch sin in the community. And recognizing that our sin in that interpersonal way, um, the third piece, so it's not only is it personal, it's interpersonal. The third piece is it's communal. To understand that your sin, even though you may keep it hidden even from yourself, is affecting your entire church community. Your personal neuroses, whether it's insecurity, selfishness, greed, lust, whatever it is that you have, anger issues, those things that you think are just hidden between you and God, they're not. The people around you are being affected by it. And whether they openly know it or not, it's hindering your relationships. It's hindering your ability to connect with the, with the church community, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And so recognizing the need for community um, which is where we get into part of the reason we don't do this is because we need to learn how to receive someone else's confession. Very few people know how to receive a confession from someone else well. Our, we either go one way or the other. We're super judgmental and we're like, oh my God, like, we actually, like our surprise and our shock of their sinfulness is like all over our face, right? And that's like someone's worst fear is that when you bear like, this is something I have going on, and you finally come out with it, the worst thing that could happen is someone to be like, oh my gosh, wow, you're just, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right? Uh, and then the opposite extreme, though, is to be like, oh, it's fine, it's not a big deal, right. and we should never downplay what the Holy Spirit is convicting someone of. That's huge. So if someone comes to us and says, you know, I've really been struggling in this area of my life and I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to just share this and I want to be held accountable, to not dismiss it as, oh, everybody does it. It's not a big deal. That is not biblically what we're called to do. So we don't want to do either of those extremes. We want to learn how to receive confession in, in a way that is um, freeing not only for the person giving the confession, but also for us receiving the confession. Did you want to say No, I was just with the communal thing, but when Trish was talking about that, the, the story after the Israelites uh, win the battle against Jericho, well, God pretty much did the whole thing. And he says, go out, destroy everything, don't take anything. And they leave, and then they go against uh, a, small, a smaller kingdom. They go fight a smaller kingdom, and they get beaten. And why they got beaten? Because one of the Israelites did take something from Jericho. They sinned against God. And now they're com coming in the war with them. They, the battle they, they should have won, and they couldn't because of the sin of, of a one person in the camp of Israel. Wow. And they didn't even know about it, but they're battling. Th thankfully, 
Moses goes to, uh, not Moses. Joshua, Joshua. Joshua goes into the, to God and God says, hey, somebody sinned in this camp. And they, little by little, they find who it is. And God puts judgment upon them and swallows the whole family. But, <laughs> but. Thank God for under grace. <laughs> but it was just that whole thing. It's the whole people of Israel who pay for the sin of, of one. And that's that's what like when church was talking about in the community, in the, in the church community, in the family community, there's a sin of one that some people don't know, but they're being affected by. Right. They're losing. And we the have to understand that. That yes, you have your personal walk with God, but when you commit to a community, however big or however small, in the church community, your personal sin is impacting the spiritual well-being of everyone in the community. Their ability to have breakthrough, the ability for the Holy Spirit to move, the division, division, you know, I mean, and and especially with leadership, I mean, we've all seen this before, that you're in a church, and if the, the leadership isn't doing something right and isn't walking under the anointing properly, right, it trickles through the whole church, and church is split, and there's dysfunction, so we recognize it a lot of times from the top down, but we don't recognize that biblically, we're all part of the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and so if one part suffers, right, we all suffer. So if one part is entrenched in some sort of sin and is not letting go, again, we may not know, we may not be aware of it, but since we're interconnected, we need each and every one of us to do our part to confess, repent, and change, right? Yeah, if, if we look at, I mean, if we, if we look at it now as churches, we, we have heard of people going against Christians or churches because of another church or another pastor or another Christian that did something or said something and now your faith is being dismissed because of somebody else. So, you know what I mean? Like we, we see that all along. Like you talk to non-believers and they're like, well, you know, I heard about this guy and he had all these bad things. So that's how churches are. That's how Christians are. So it's that one sin. Influence whole, right. whole it can make the whole body yeah. sick and that's the part that especially in American Christianity we've we've become so about like it's my personal walk with God it's my personal faith it's my personal that we've lost the biblical sense that there is a community that we are one in the spirit and so what's happening in your home is coming into the church is coming into and and in ways that we understand and don't understand you know, and, and we can't just say this is Old Testament. If you look at the New Testament, there's the story of, of um, Ananias and Sapphira where they lie about the gift that, you know, they sold their land and they wanted to look like, oh, we're these super generous donors, but they kept part of the money to themselves, mm -hmm. right? And this is New Testament. This is after the resurrection. This is after. Right after. Right after. And they're like, you're lying. And he like drops dead. And then his wife comes in. And she doesn't know, and so she covers it up too, and she drops dead. And the reason is, it's, that may seem super harsh, but God was trying to say, like, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though you're under grace, I want you to understand that sin is still sin. Mm -hmm. And it affects the entire community. So even though they were trying to keep it private, again, God is not always striking down people for, like, you know, cheating on their taxes or things. Shouldn't be done, but there... I believe that God allowed that example for us so that we understand like, oh wow, this is this is something that we need to take seriously. That even though we're under grace, 
the things that I try to lie about and keep secret and if I try to manipulate, he says, you have not sinned against man, but you've, you've lied against the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? And so there, you know, even more so, when we were under the law, there were sacrifices that could be made. There were certain things that could be done to compensate for sin. But when you're under grace, if you continue sinning, right, there's not, there's no, there's no sacrifice for sins that's left. Remember exactly what that is, but we were just talking about that. That you've trampled the Son of God underfoot. That's a really heavy one. We won't get into yeah. that. So what we want to learn right now, though, is about how to receive someone's confession. Again, because, you know, Max and I may be the pastors and shepherds of this church, but some of that has gotten distorted, you know, that, that somehow the pastors are supposed to be super spiritual and they're the ones that people come to for counsel and wisdom. And hopefully we can do that. But we want to create a spiritual community where you have those relationships with one another where each and every part of the body is healthy enough and equipped enough that, that this is not like, oh, well, we all come to Max and Trish, but where there's a sense of like, mm -hmm. that, you know, there's elders in the church spiritually or physically elders that we can go to. There's brothers and sisters in Christ who can help hold me accountable. So uh, the first thing is that when, we, when someone comes to us with sin, we, we should recognize, I love this quote, it says that we are helping to drag from its den a wild beast that would otherwise devour our brother and sister in Christ. So we have to take this seriously. That if someone has the courage to come to you and say, listen, I've really been struggling with pornography. Or, hey, listen, I feel like God has really been convicting me of, of envy. Like, I have a real problem just looking around and being envious of, you know, other women or of people's you know, I want to be rich or I want to be, I have greed, whatever. If someone gets to the point where they're coming to you and they want to share something to realize that this is, this is a real struggle. And I like the, I, the visual of that. It's this wild beast, right? That they're asking you. It's like that, that old story, the medieval story where they go and they slay the dragon while it's asleep in the den. Because if you wait till it comes out, it's going to be too hard to, you know, to take down. So if the person is coming in that moment of vulnerability, you have an opportunity to like, let's talk about this, let's tackle it, let's kill it mm -hmm. before it turns and kills you. Mm -hmm. So we have to take on the weight that they're talking about something that is potentially threatening to kill their spiritual life and their, and their, their, the, the Holy Spirit's um, fire within them is being diminished because of a sin that they're struggling with. So our job is then to go with them into that dark place, to not be afraid of whatever's going to come out, to help them slay that dragon, right? And then to come back out into the light. Yeah. And I really like the visual of, that's not what this says, but that was the visual that came into my mind, is that that's, that's what we're doing, is we're going in with our brother and sister in Christ to slay this dragon, right? And then to come back out into the light where the glory of God is. Yeah. And so anyone who has been horrified by your own sin mm. is qualified to listen to the sins of someone else. Mm. So you may feel like, well, I'm not a pastor, or I didn't go to seminary, or I don't, you know, I haven't been, <laughs> you know, I'm not a deacon or anything. But if you have ever come face to face with your own sin and been horrified by it, then right. you are qualified to listen to someone else's sin. So... 
we have to first make a decision that there's nothing that that other person can say that will disturb us. Wow. Nothing. However dark, however dreadful, however shocking because you thought you knew them and you didn't know that this monster was lurking in the corner, you have to decide when they start to talk that you will be unshaken. Game face. Yeah, you put your game face on. That there is nothing that they could tell you because you know how dark and sinful the human nature can be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you decide from the outset that there is nothing that they could tell you that would disturb you. Now, granted, if they are about to like harm themselves or someone else, that's a boundary limit where we have to you know, intervene. <laughs> intervene and say, uh, before you go forward, let me just let you know, if you say something like this, we need to, we need to let, you know, we need to get you help. So, so we have to live in a way that our presence would speak the love and forgiving grace of God and have the gift of discernment. The number one thing, so first of all, is putting on our game face, right? So that like nothing like shocks you or freaks you out. The second thing is to be quiet. Because we recognize that our tendency is to either freak out or to diminish and be like, oh, it's, that's it? That's not a big deal. You're fine. So we have to learn to just be quiet so that we don't go to one extreme or the other. So we let the person do the talking. Whatever it is that's on their heart, whatever is in their spirit that's troubling them, you just let them talk it through. And if you, and as they're talking, you're in prayer. So while you pray, the Holy Spirit should lead you. Maybe, yes, you're quiet, but there may be questions that you ask of when did this first start or how often is it? If you feel that the person may be holding back, again, you want to encourage them so that they walk away from the conversation really feeling a sense of freedom. So while we're quiet in prayer, as the Holy Spirit leads you, there may be certain questions that you feel to just kind of draw out to better understand the context and the story of what they're struggling with. Your goal is not to give them advice. Your goal is to listen and understand. And again, you don't have to give counsel. We want to separate. There is a discipline of accountability and spiritual direction. There's a whole discipline of that, which we'll get into. But with confession, those things can be separate. It, if someone comes to you with confession, that does not necessarily mean they want you to be their accountability partner. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to give them counsel or advice. At the end of it, you can say, how can I help you moving forward? Do you want me to check in with you weekly, monthly? You know, And you can come up with that. But the person may say, I just really needed to get this off my chest. So this does not necessarily mean that you are now forever their accountability partner. And you need to clarify that. But the final thing that you need to do, which this is going to be a little uncomfortable, y'all, is you need to announce to them forgiveness. <laughs> I see Christina's face. She's, she's got problems with it. <laughs> so this is... 
So the, the, where it comes from is John 20, uh, verse 22. I'll start at 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What was that? Uh, John 20, 21, and 22, 23. So after the person confesses to you, and you hear whatever it is, however dark, however disturbing, part of your role, and this is, this is the reality that sometimes we have to understand, that we don't wage war against flesh and blood, right? It's against the powers and principalities in the spiritual realms. So when you confess, yes, when we confess to the Lord, God is gracious and just, and he cleanses us from our unrighteousness. Again, we talked about that last week, that he gives forgiveness. But part of the reason God places us in community is because we need sometimes a brother or sister in Christ to be the hands and feet of Christ. We need a physical person to say, God is bigger than this. You are forgiven. This sin is not beyond God's reach. Like his arm is not too short. And, and it's biblical. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. If, if you forgive their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. So it is really important that we offer to that person, if they have repented of that sin, that they are forgiven. They don't have to go and pray certain prayers. They don't have to go and fast for three days. They don't have to. They are forgiven. They are covered by the blood of Christ. They are covered in his forgiveness. And I want to bring another text so if someone does not come to you with confession, the flip side of this, this again gets more into accountability, but there's another verse here in Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about if your brother sins against you, what you're supposed to do. And we, we're not going to get into that today, yeah. but it says in verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. This scripture has been used and abused about all kinds of other things. What it is talking about here is sin. So if someone is bound in a sin, and they come to you and they confess it, and you don't forgive them, they're, they're still bound like in that sin. And guess what? You're bound with them. But if the two of you come together in agreement and you say, whatever is loose on earth is loose in heaven, we believe that by, by what Christ did on the cross, you are forgiven and you stand under grace right now. And I proclaim freedom in Jesus' name. That forgiveness, that person will experience this forgiveness and this grace that maybe God was already giving them, but sometimes, right, we just need another person. Because God is not a visible God. Sometimes... We know that we're in God, you know, that God's presence is with us, but we just need the hug of a friend, right? And spiritually, this is the same way. We know that we have forgiveness in Christ, but sometimes you need another brother or sister to just proclaim that forgiveness and that grace over you in order to truly sense that freedom, that the enemy will otherwise keep you bound in guilt and shame until you hear it out of the mouth of another human being saying, you know what? God's got this. 
to conclude, uh, from James, and then we'll move into it. Um, why do we, why do we want to confess, and why do we want to have this accountability and partnership of confession and accountability and forgiveness? Um, James finishes with this, five nineteen and twenty. My brothers, if any of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. So when we talk about this ability to come next to somebody who is sinning and bringing them out of it, helping them uh, through accountability, helping them through just finding forgiveness, um, we're saving them from death and covering over a multitude of sin. If we can stop them here, then other things that they were gonna do will be stopped. And that's, that's, a, that's a big, big deal. That's why the, that, that accountability happens. That's why that, that, that conversations need to happen. Because if there's no conversation, then, then there's, we will just keep on going. So that, that, is, that is just one of those things that's why I want, to, I want to encourage you in this. Uh, for yourself personally to confess to somebody and to give an opportunity for others to come, to come and do that. Amen? Amen. So, now we can stop and we can get into real.